Welcome to the Film 7 Podcast, the show that keeps you updated with the latest TV and movie news. My name is Andy, and here with me, as usual, is Jake. Hello, Andy. Very glad to be here and excited for this week's show. Mm. We've got quite a bit of a packed one, don't we? Yes, we do. A lot to talk about, but um, this, is, this is a show that we spoke about on the first episode of the year where we're going to talk about Captain Marvel. So this is, um, I can't wait for us to get there. This is basically the, up to now, the biggest movie that's been released, isn't it? So super excited to talk about that. Uh, how's your week been, though? Any nice adventures get up to anything? It's been good. Um, I saw some Oscar films, some films that won the Oscars. So that was really good. I saw um, Green Book. Uh, I still haven't seen that. How is it? It's a very good film. I liked it. Uh, Masha Ali, I see why he won the Oscar. And um, it's a very good film. You should watch it. It's nice. Uh, yeah, I'll come around to seeing it. I have been meaning to watch it. What do you think about the whole controversy about the message it sent behind the film? Did, did you get any, like, misleading uh, message or anything like that? Because like, obviously you heard about the controversy of why it won Best Picture and things like that. Yes, yes. I, I did hear about that. But um, there are films that are made to win Oscars. You know, they, they have formulated it. They have brought out a formula. If you want to win an Oscar, check these boxes. And if you do that, you are likely to win an Oscar. And that's what this film did. So kudos to them. They, the film, it, minus the controversy, the film is good. I like the messages. It's, it, 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 the message behind the films, I liked it. Um, there was some pushback um, because they made... I, I don't know his real name. They made him really stupid in a film. Okay. And the, his family came out and said, "No, he's not. He's not that. He's not thick. He's not a Dumbo like they portrayed him in the movie." But um, it was good. It was a good contrast to have like him being like a dummy, in contrast to Marshall Lee's character, who is a super genius. And there were a lot of subtle messages in the film. It's really good, and I think they did well, and they deserved the Oscars, in my opinion. They did what they needed to do to win. You know, there are certain things you should put in your film if you want it to be considered for an Oscar. And they did all of that. (laughs) And they won the Oscar. So, fair play. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen the film. So, But now that you've said all that, I'm definitely going to be checking it out very, very soon. Especially because it won Best Picture. I always have to watch the film that won Best Picture. That's just the thing with me. The main thing I have been watching, which I finally came around to, was uh, the TV uh, animated series Star Wars Resistance. I've seen clips of it on YouTube, but yeah. I haven't watched the yeah, show actually, itself. Yeah, no, it, it's been one of those shows that has just go... When I first saw the trailers, I thought, oh, okay, this looks kind of more for kids more than anything. And I thought, I'll come around to it at some point. Now i finally come around to it. Yes, I will admit it is more driven towards kids, but there's some good in stuff in there. It, it's fun to watch, and there's little tidbits that add to the Star Wars canon now. If you're a Star Wars fan, I think give it a shot because you might some you might find th- some things in there that you like. Oh, okay. I am a Star Wars fan and I surely will give it a shot. So now we're going to kick off the show with our first segment, which is the movie and TV news. We've got a couple of things to talk about this week. The first one, which is... We'll be talking about this one, I think, for the majority of the news section. So Steven Spielberg... Uh, he has going to express his concerns regarding Netflix uh, being nominated for Academy Awards. Obviously, as we know, Steven Spielberg is a member of the Academy, part of the elite membership as well. So he ha- does have quite a lot of pull in there and what goes on in the Academy and how it runs. Steven always has to have a say. Mm-hmm. So he believes that films made on platforms such as Netflix, Amazon, now TV, Hulu, all those things shouldn't be nominated for Oscars because it's not part of the traditional theatrical run in the cinema. Uh, I have here a spokesman from Amblin who says, Stephen feels strongly about the difference between the streaming and theatrical situations. He'll be happy if the others will join this campaign when that comes up at the Academy Board of Governors meeting. He will see what happens. So you saw these comments, you've heard about all this. What are your thoughts and Steven's approach to how you, we handle these movies that are now the, basically the future of how we consume TV and television uh, films. I have to say, and I never thought I'd say this ever, I have to disagree with Steven Spielberg here. I, I disagree. 
you know, get with the program. This is where we are. I've always said this, human beings as a species, we are evolutionary creatures. We evolve. Every single action we take, we evolve it. It morphs into something else. And the academy, and he, not the academy, he needs to get with the program, you know. I, I think I was telling you this a couple of episodes ago. Online streaming is here to stay. It's not a bubble that is just going to come, grow large, and burst. It's here to stay. And it will evolve to something else. But it's here. This is the now. I thought someone like Spielberg would um, be on board with it. This is how this is how ideas, this is how companies, this is how movements, they just get left behind. When you don't get with the program, you know, that's how you get left behind. What is wrong with having a film available to more people so they can watch it anywhere anytime look yes we will talk about this but yesterday i we we both saw captain marvel i saw my movie i had to go to the cinema because of other commitments i had to go to the cinema to watch it at midnight so i got back home about 3 4 a.m that's why i sent you a message um that you know i couldn't record the time we had earlier said because i was still asleep but Netflix takes away that that challenge. You can watch a film anywhere, anytime. And it's just sad that Spielberg, somebody of the clout of Spielberg, is against this. Like, there have been so many movements. The man himself, Steven Spielberg, he has led so many movements. So I'm just surprised that he would criticize something as good and as pure as Netflix. I'm just, I don't agree with him. No, yeah, I'm I'm agreeing with you with disagreeing with Spielberg. Now, like you said, he's had a hand in many campaigns and the way we perceive Hollywood and the movie industry now, a lot of it is thanks to Steven Spielberg, you know, and you can't deny that. He is, you know, whenever he's bringing out a new film, you're like, I'm going to go see that because it's Spielberg, you know. Most of his films as well, they tend to be really, really good films. He's had a couple of misfires, but, you know, that's normal. That's, you know, you can't be perfect all the time. But I have to really, really disagree with him here because it shouldn't matter where the film is released. Now, I was looking at to see uh, what the eligibility rules are for being nominated for the Oscars. So I went onto the Academy's website, right? And it says here that the conditions are it needs to be released as a paid admission in a commercial motion picture theater, okay? Which is what Roma did. They re- obviously it came out on Netflix, but they also released it in the cinema, and it needs to be there for a qualifying run of at least seven consecutive days. So if a film does that, what's the problem? This is what I don't quite understand. These are the rules set by the Academy, and Netflix are following these rules by yes, it's cost a lot of money to have a film in theaters, but if you just have it for one week. Okay, just to qualify for the Academy Awards to show the quality of this film and for people like us who like going to the cinema can experience in that environment. Most people these days, it's just very easy just to sit on your sofa and just flick the switch and there it is. And you have an Academy Award winning film right there in your fingertip. I don't see what the problem is that Stephen has. So, and like you said, you need to get with the program. This is, this is the future. This is the now. You see oh, a lot of companies now investing in streaming services. Obviously, Netflix sort of kicked it all off. But you have Amazon and now Disney, they're releasing their own. DC have just released their own streaming service. That is the way the industry is moving. And I think if you don't get with the program, you're just going to get left behind. And then streaming sites where a lot of the content is going to be happening, they're going to be like, no, we don't want you to work with our stuff because you dissed us. So that, that that's where I stand in this. I, I think... Steven Spielberg should know a bit better. Because he's normally in the forefront of cutting edge you cinema. Know, cinema, you know. So I'm just, he's sounding to me like um, an old man complaining about social media. You know, oh, young kids, all you do is go on Twitter, all you do is go on Facebook. Da, da, da. That's what he's sounding to me like. You know? Yeah, and it I, does sound like, like like a grouchy old man yeah. that's not getting with the times. Like, yeah. Like, He's like Steven Spielberg and, you know, people like George Lucas as well. They're all part of that that wave of filmmaking where they push things to the next level. You know, uh, before they came along, cinema was at a bit of a stale, you know, just after the Vietnam War and everything. It wasn't the movie-going experience that we know now. And then people like Spielberg and George Lucas 
brought it back. They made this going to the cinema with movies like E.T. and Jaws mm. and Star Wars. They made going to the cinema this amazing experience that you can have the best time in your life. But why can't you also do that at home? You get, you can get that enjoyment at home. And it's not like the films on these online platforms are bad films. They are made very good. They are well written. They have massive production value. They are very good films. So it's just the way we consume it rather than going to a theater. Yeah, there's no difference between a film being released on Netflix and a film released in the cinema yeah. for me. You judge it for what it is, which is a film. So I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens, but um, I don't think this is going to get passed on. I think people are going to be like, come on. No, the, the, look at the, the amount of quality coming out of these streaming services. So, so without that, our next topic is Netflix response to Spielberg's attempt to block the movies from the Oscar consideration. So they released this thing on Twitter and Instagram, and it states, we love cinema. Here are some things we also love. Access for people who can't always afford or live in towns without theaters, letting everyone everywhere enjoy releases at the same time, and giving filmmakers more ways to share art. These things are not mutually exclusive. I think that perfectly wraps up what Spielberg's not getting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, what do you think about the Netflix response to this? Kudos to Netflix. They, they responded respectfully. They didn't insult him or they weren't as brash as we have as we just are have been um they respectfully responded to his criticism and not to the man i totally agree with what netflix has said you know it, this may be inconceivable for some of us that live in western countries in america and you in and uk but if you go to some countries in africa not every city has a cinema not every city has a cinema you know not every town I mean, not every village not every town has a cinema some you'd have to travel to another state to go to a theater but they do have internet so why shouldn't they be able to watch an oscar film a film nominated the best picture academy's best picture just just based on how much money they have basically yeah and their community yeah you know so I, you know so i'm 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 you know like i said i never thought anything would ever happen and i disagree with spielberg but in this case sir i disagree with you and i'm on the side of netflix on this and i like i said i really liked their their response it was respectful and it addressed the concern and not the person how many times have we seen a company responding to a criticism and rather than address the issue they t they respond to the person and they're just doing it very disrespectful we have we've seen that loads of times i can call some examples <laughs> some just came to my mind but let's leave that out but you know we've seen that happen so I, I like what netflix did you know i like that response yeah it's a very respectable response and a way that basically to show spielberg if he's reading that response like look these are the issues this is why we do what we do so everybody can have access to all this amazing art. Now, what I love about streaming services is that one of the, the main things that I liked was giving filmmakers more ways to share art. Now, if anything, the streaming services are more of an, it's, it's a more of a creative bubble. Do you know what I mean? That they're going, okay, you as a creator, you've got this idea, go ahead, execute that. Here's the money, make what you wanna make, we'll see how it turns out. While in Hollywood, on the major motion picture studios, they've got their paws and everything. Because obviously, I, I get it, because there's so much money involved. I get why, but they're always like, what if we do this? What if we do that? And tampering with the creator's vision sometimes. Sometimes it's for the better, sometimes it's for the worse. You know, there are plenty of cases on Netflix where they go, do what you want, and then you go, ooh, that, maybe he shouldn't or she shouldn't have done exactly what they wanted. Mm. You know, you, you have the, the argument on both sides, but it's been recent trending that it's just constant amount of good quality stuff coming from these streaming services, more than in the cinema. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. More than yes. in the cinema. Yes, I you, agree with you there. Yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's so, crap. A lot of crap. <laughs> there's a lot of bad stuff in the cinema that comes out and you go, oh, I'm, nah, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to spend my money going to see that. But... The, the benefit if you do watch a bad movie at home is that, oh, well, I d I, at least I didn't spend any money yeah. on it. Do you know what I mean? You've just got the monthly subscription. but Which is you, the price of a movie ticket. Yeah, pretty much. And you have access to all this every month. So, yeah, kudos to Netflix for responding in the way they did. And, and back to Spielberg, like, 
I expected something like this to eventually happen for somebody to call this out. I did not expect it from him. Mm. That's the part that disappoints me and the amount of respect I have for Steven Spielberg. Yeah. But we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Cool. So from one side of the movie industry to another, we get into the superhero realm. Now, this has been going on for quite a while now. So as we know, James Gunn is in Warner Brothers now in DC, rebooting the Suicide Squad, a sort of soft reboot sort of thing. We know Margot Robbie's coming back as Harley Quinn. And then we've been hearing rumors that Will Smith will not be coming back as Deadshot. And now it's pretty much confirmed now, although it hasn't been officially been said by Idris Elba, Will Smith or James Gunn or Warner Brothers. But all the talk is that Idris Elba is looking at reprising, or not reprising, I say, taking over Will Smith's role as Deadshot. So you heard these little rumors and rumblings. It looks pretty legit, but we'll see what happens. What do you think? Bring it on. Everybody loves Idris. Everybody loves Idris. I love Idris Elba. He's he's an amazing character. He's an amazing actor and um, seems like a nice guy off camera, you know. So he, I love him. I, I really like the guy. He's really good at what he does. Every role you put him in, he does his job. So I'm happy. Bring it on. I'm happy. He's. A, I, I like Idris Elba. Yeah. yeah, I completely echo your thoughts. When I started hearing these stories that Idris Elba was going to replace Will Smith, I thought, oh yeah, like that seemed the perfect replacement, really. Because then I was starting to think, oh, who else would I? And I was like, I can't really think of anyone else who could play that character as well as Idris Elba. And, you know, you know, his character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Heimdall, died in Infinity War, so he's free from there. So he's hopping over the side to do DC. I mean, why, why not? And... If he's going to be working with James Gunn, bring it on, I say. Like, And it seems like the Suicide Squad movie is looking on track to be something cool. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to see what James Gunn does with this. It feels like the perfect replacement because he was doing Guardians. Mm. Now he gets to come in DC and play with these characters. And I think he can have a bit more, go a bit more edgier with these characters than he could with the Guardians. Because obviously with the Marvel Universe, you do have that PG-13 banner that they have cool that's fine i respect that for what it is that's just their thing and i enjoy it for what it is but with the suicide squad i think you can just mm, you you could do it rated r i think you you yeah. definitely can do it rated r and it'd be fun to see a rated r suicide squad this is so lucky because he is james gunn is the perfect director for a suicide squad film he's the see what he did with um guardians you know that whole colorful jazzy retro musical sometimes you think you're watching a musical you know that kind of stuff if there's any character in the dc universe if not character if there's any plot line in the dc universe that deserves that touch it is suicide squad and who better to do it than the man who succeeded with um it's Gary. a perfect match oh it is I'm, I'm so happy for because um Obviously, I hate. I don't like Monopoly. I don't want Marvel to be the only ones making good stuff. So I'm happy that he's there working with DC, and I, may it succeed. I hope that film succeeds. But you know, Idris Elba. I've noticed over the past couple of years, he's now getting into this macho man. You see, he's in Luke Hobbs. Uh, what's that one? The uh, Hobbs and Shaw. Hobbs yeah. and Shaw. You see him having that whole dressed in that thing, uh, that those tight suit type thing. So he he's getting more macho rules if that makes he's sense he's like yeah like a sort of an action movie star yeah he's getting those type of roles yeah, yeah. he wasn't that before before he was just a very good actor so when it comes to speaking heads but now he's getting more into action and all of that so that's good because it pays well <laughs> it does <laughs> he doesn't do his stunts does he no but he probably I, doesn't do it well, he, he might do some of them i'd imagine a guy like him would probably like to do some yeah. uh, but the insurance people will let him do all of them that, it doesn't work that way i'm afraid <laughs> but yeah super excited for idris if he is to come in and join the dc universe so with our next thing we go into middle earth so amazon prime have for the last couple of weeks been tweeting out these little pictures of the map of middle earth getting bigger and bigger each adding a different plot uh, but then they released this other image and then pretty much stating that we're going to be exploring the second age of middle earth mm. So I'm going to let you start this one off and then I'll go into a bit of a tangent about what this sort of means. But you heard this stuff. What did you think about what's coming with the future of Lord of the Rings and Middle-earth on Amazon Prime? Well, so full disclaimer here, 
my um my lord of the rings game is not as tight as my star wars or my game of thrones game so I'm, i can't go into much detail into the story what i can say though is what i think is amazon they have everything needed to make this a success they have the money they have access to the best producers they have access to the best writers so i'm i'm thinking it's going to be very good it would be harder for them to make it bad than for them to make it good if that makes sense yeah yeah i know what you mean yeah well, no i i'm totally on board with you uh, they they've got definitely got the money i can tell you that they um i think they invested something like 500 million dollars in, in this you know expanding this whole mythology and getting the rights and stuff for that so they've invested a lot of money into it so they're going to want to produce quality output the second age is what intrigues me now i'm really happy they're not just redoing the lord of the rings like the story that we know the story that we we've loved from the films like they are pretty much perfect you know i've said this on the show before the return of the king is my favorite film of all time that third movie is just pitch perfect there's nothing wrong with it i can't fault it in the slightest so i'm happy they're not redoing that they're exploring other realms and the second age makes me really excited because the main stories that we know are the hobbit and the lord of the rings and they all take place in the third age okay, okay. so the land of middle earth is com comprised of different ages it's every 4000 years or something like that or every, it's every few thousand years i don't know the exact number uh, the second age is basically the fall of Morgoth, which was the original Dark Lord, which is actually a god who descended and came to the land known as Arda, which is Earth, Middle Earth, if you could say. Mm -hmm. And he had a disciple, which was Sauron. Okay. So Sauron, as we perceive as the big bad in Lord of the Rings, is actually not that powerful when it comes to Morgoth. Oh. He is like the main big bad. You know, and, and you have a lot of war there and everything. So I think we're going to get the demise of him and the rise of Sauron in this series. And I think for people who love the work of Tolkien, if they've read it already, or people want to get involved in understanding what age they're going to be doing, read the, Sil the Silmarillion. That explains pretty much what's happening in the Second Age and the state of Middle-earth. It's just really, really good stuff. It can be a tough read because it's not like a consistent story. It was more like a lot of notes and paragraphs and he eventually somehow managed to put it together but it's really really good stuff and i'm, I'm just super excited to see where they take this so is sauron going to be sauron is going to be there or is just going to be i gonna think he's going to be lingering but i don't think we're actually gonna see him or he's gonna i don't think he'll play a big part at all so my last question i'm just just thinking out loud so sauron was a disciple of um, what's his name morgoth morgoth how did he become the bad guy? Did they do a kind of sit thing where you have to kill your master to become the master kind of no, thing? No, no, it wasn't sort of like that. So like I said, Morgoth was a god. There were like yeah. a, a few gods and they created the earth and then he believed that we should rule over these creatures, which were the elves. Those were the firstborn, okay? And then dwarves came a bit later and then man came a bit later after that. And they, he, all he was concentrated is just ruling over this land so eventually they banished him from the pantheon of gods and he rolled over in the north and he built his army he got took on elves deformed them made them orcs oh. uh, all the wags and stuff like that uh, he got some disciples sauron being one of them who was his most devoted okay. sort of follower eventually you know sauron was learning all the, the powers of the dark and, and stuff like that so he became a dark lord himself mm. and then um when it came with the Sumerian. Uh, Sauron created all the rings, see like the three rings for the elves and the seven for the dwarves and the nine for the men and stuff like that. And he made them in secret pretending to be somebody else. And then obviously in his, he made the one ring. So there's a lot there to pull from. Mm. Uh, I, I don't know how exactly they're gonna do it. This is gonna be epic. This, I wanna see like Game of Thrones plus. Yeah. yeah this is needs to go all out. So, because that when I thought, when I watched Game of Thrones, I was like, oh, this is like Lord of the Rings, but rated R. Mm. And this, I want this to be, obviously this is Lord of the Rings. I don't think it can, it can, it's not rated R material, but it's gonna be huge in scope. And that's what I wanna see. I'm really, really interested in also them focusing on the Numenorians, which is the race of men at the second age, okay. which is where the bloodline of Aragon descends from. So okay. all, there's so much there to pick and choose from. And we'll see, man. Like, is this going to be epic? Yeah, and I'm I'm happy to hear that I'm out that budget. 
I'm happy. That's 500 million. You 500 said. million. Yeah, it's worth it. It, it, it. That's the budget that kind of thing deserves. So if I heard it was going to be something like one million per episode or five million per episode, I'd be like, it's going to suck. But 500 million, yes. They're, they're, I mean, when you consider each season of Game of Thrones is about 100 million. Yeah. So. Mm. That's a lot. And, you know, they, they know they have to top Game of Thrones. You, yeah. you, now, if you're doing... Well, it, yeah, they have to compete with Game of Thrones and they also have to compete with the Lord of the Rings movies because no matter what you say, everybody is going to compare them to the movies. Everybody everybody's going to be like, oh, it's better. Oh, it wasn't as good as... Everybody will say it. doesn't matter what you say. Mm, so just, they, they, they have a high bar. You know, we know the story is going to be tight, but what we're talking about now is the production value. It needs to look... It doesn't need to look like a cheap... CW kind of show. It has to look, you know, strong. Strong, you know. Yeah. So I'm happy with the amount of the budget they've put there. Good, good one. Cool. Right. So we're going to get into our next segment of the show, which is a new one, and it's called Trailer Park. They've done studies, you know. 60% of the time, it works every time. That doesn't make sense. So in this new segment, we're basically just going to be running down the trailers of the week because there's so many now that just come out. We thought, well, we can put them in their own topic and just briefly go through these. So one of them we briefly won't go over because I know you're going to be wanting to talk a lot about that. But we'll start off with the DC Universe. And we got the new and looks like the final trailer because it's just around the corner now for Shazam. So you go start this one off. What did you think about the latest trailer of Shazam? You know, I'm just... We are going to be entertained. That film is going to entertain us. We're going to laugh. It's going to be like Deadpool. We're going to laugh. We're going to have fun. It, the film doesn't take itself too serious. It's very, 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 very self-aware. And the boys, there's chemistry between the boys. It, it's it's going to be a fun film. I just want to see it. It's fun. That's where I felt. Yeah, pretty much the same as you. When I was watching that new trailer, I was like, they really are going for an all-out, like a Deadpool-style thing, but in the DC universe, and it's going to be PG-13, so you won't have the rated R aspect, but it still just looks like a huge barrel of fun. Yeah. And I just can't wait for this. The, the new trailer, it had some couple new bits of footage, but a lot of it was just reused from trailers we've seen before. One part I would like to point out, though, that just got me in hysterics was when he got the doll of Batman. And he's like, I'm Batman. And he throws this. That, so take that. Stop him, Batman. Stop him. That, that part just cracked me up. And I can't wait to see that when he's actually in the toy store and all the references that's going to happen there. So, yeah, I'm super, super stoked for this movie. And we're now less than a month away. So I, I can't wait. This trailer is just, yeah, pitch perfect. They nailed it. Mm, they did. They did. It, like you said, a trailer is meant to excite you about a film. I'm quoting you now. A trailer is supposed to excite you about for a film, but not give you too much detail. So I think this has done it. Yeah, the, I mean, it's it's going to be an origin story, as we know, but it looks like it's going to be a different take on what an origin story, as we know of, is. So that that's that's promising, especially from DC as well. And it's the first, you know, probably the first time where an origin story where. A superhero is made without an accident. Have you noticed that every single superhero? Yeah, it's always an accident. It's always an accident. So it's good to see he was chosen, and he was chosen, and he got cornered into a. He place is pure where, of heart. Exactly, and you know, rather than some tesseract blowing up and <laughs> mixing with his blood. We'll talk about that a bit later, though. Okay, so uh, for you, this is the big one. The Game of Thrones Season 8 trailer. Now, this is also just around the corner. April 14th is when the first episode premieres, and it's going to consist of six episodes. So, you're the Game of Thrones guy. What did you think of this trailer? Wow. Do you know, like... <sighs> let me catch my breath, because this is so good. It's only six episodes, but every episode has the length of a feature film. I heard it's going to be close to two hours each yeah, episode. Exactly. Yeah. So every every episode is like a feature film. So we're going to watch six films, six Game of Thrones films. Now, the trailer just goes from episode one to episode three. It doesn't go beyond that. They just didn't want to spoil it. Normally, Game of Thrones in their trailers, they take a clip from every single episode. But in this one, they just held it to the first three episodes. You think? Yeah, yeah. That's what I heard. You know, that's what I heard. You know, that's what... Because obviously, you can't get... They tr they, they are trying not to spoil it for anyone. You know, they're keeping everything numb. 
and they've done a good job about that. Nobody knows what's going to happen. We know people are going to die because it's RR Martins. But, um, but I'm just so excited about it. Everything looks good. You see, you don't know who's who. You know who the bad guys are. We, we see the Golden Company there. We see the Golden Company. Um, we see the dragons finally in Winterfell. There is some, you know, there is, you see them in the crypt of um, um, Winter, um, Winterfell. And there is, people are asking, can the Night King bring back dead people from Winterfell? So is he going to resurrect, like, um, Rob Stark's dad? Or is he going to resurrect um, Kathleen Stark? You know, so questions around that. But look, man, this is going to be epic. This is going to be epic. If, you've, if you're listening and you've not, um, you've not been watching Game of Thrones, I, I, I don't know what you've been watching. This is the best tv show this this tv show game of thrones was the game changer before game of thrones any series on tv was cw quality was very poorly done this was the show that said now no we're going to invest in a tv series and it's so good and it's all coming together and the thing is nobody knows what happened so for i haven't read the books but for six years i haven't read all the books i've read a bit one um the first so for six years, everybody who had read the books were being very smug with those who hadn't read it. They were like, oh, you'd wait to see what's going to happen. Wait till you see what's going to happen because they had read the books. But now, this is the first season where the books is going to exceed, the, the TV show is going to exceed the books. So nobody knows what's going to happen. So that's pretty exciting as well. Yeah, well, they did that in the previous season as oh, well. Sorry, yes. This is the second season. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it's pretty exciting because nobody can spoil it. So you have to watch it to get what hap- what's happening. But this the, the trailer touches all the p- points for me and I'm excited about this one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm similar to you. Like as soon as they started going away from the books, I kind of preferred it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like don't get me wrong, I love the sh- the first few seasons like they're fantastic. Like season 1 hooked me from the start, you know what I mean? But when the seasons kept on going on and like all the characters kept on dying like you just didn't know I was a bit like okay I get it like you know any character could die I get it but just give me someone to root for 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 a bit and then when they did that in season 7 you know it was pretty much Jon Snow consistent I was like yes okay we got something here and I really liked last season I know it got a lot of criticism because it went off the books but I I really liked it I don't know did you really oh, like the last I, I don't I, but I, you I, haven't read the books so yeah. yeah no so. I've, I've read some I haven't read all of them I haven't read yeah I haven't I've read one I haven't read all the others yeah yeah, yeah. so I'm just super excited and this trailer just out the ante like I like the beginning when you're uh, following, what's her name? Arya. Arya Stark through the corridor, and she's like, I've seen death, it has many faces. All that just gave me the chills. And I love the progression of the trainer, how it started really slow and eerie, and then just kept on getting bigger and bigger in scale. And then, of course, that last shot with the the, ho- the dead horse's oh. hoof. That was like, whoa, okay, we're going to get into some serious epic battles here. So I can't wait. They said there yeah, are three battles in this film. In three, this three, battles. three battles in this series and there was one so the battle of the bastards they shot it in 14 days and they had this i can't remember their budget they said this there's a battle in this series that was shot over like four or five weeks and it has twice the budget as battle of the bastards so it's going to be you know every season we always have one epic battle but this one they're going to be three and they said this is the biggest they've ever gone so well, they have to go all out. Oh yeah, this is it. This this is it. We, you, they they didn't give us a series a season last year, so it has to be worth the wait. You know, we nobody complained. Everybody understood they needed a year to make this season. So I I'm so excited. We're just around the corner now. I am so excited. <laughs> I mean, April's going to be a huge month, man. Mm. I, I can't wait for what's happening in April. Well, so our final trailer of the week is the new Tolkien biopic. So this is the second trailer to come out. The first one was a bit more of a teaser, didn't really show much. But this one, you really got to saw what type of movie we're getting in for. So I'll pass it over to you. You saw the trailer. What did you think? Um, It's good. It's um, it's a very British film. Do you know, did you get that? Yeah. Yeah, it's a very British film. It has that very British thing, which is good. So, so I kind of know how it's gonna work. I know what it's gonna be like, but kudos. I just it's 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 a good ode to the man to token, and um, yeah, 
I think they, they will do a good job. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to just exploring him as as the person, not so much him the creator, but just him as who he was and how he lived. What was his life experiences to influence him to create such a mythology, which you could argue is one of the best mythologies that have been written in fiction. You, yep. I, I think that's yep. a very valid argument. Yeah, you know? no, yeah. Let me ask you a question. Um, a film like this, what percent do you think is added there for dramatic effect and what percent do you think actually happened or is real? They will... What, so you're asking me for a percentage? Mm. You know, I, deal, I like dealing with numbers. Um, I think probably about 20 to 30% of it will be dramatized. Just 20%? Yeah, I think they're going to stick to as much really? of it as possible. Because okay. he, he did have quite an exciting life, to be fair. Who didn't at the time? There was no internet. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. And, you know, you have the aspect of the war, which is a huge part of it. You know, th yeah. that, that can keep people entertained for quite a while. So, yeah, obviously that you have to dramatize some moments. I think the, the parts that would be more dramatized, though, would be the more intimate moments between characters. Like, we need something here to like, to, to run a movie. So to get these characters more connected, we may, we may need to put a scene here that didn't actually happen, if you know what I mean. Mm. I think it will be more moments like those than anything grander scale. So, yeah, I think it will be a small amount, but there will definitely be some stuff there. I actually thought the other way around. I thought, like, only 30% will be factual and 70% will be dramatized for dramatic effect. That's what I thought, you know, because you can't... How do you know what's going on in a man's brain? you know and all of that well you do have like his uh, whole family are involved in the production of this film so um, his, like his son Christopher Tolkien is since his uh, JR passed away he's been continuing his father's work and legacy by releasing uh, stuff that was never released and stuff like that and he's been heavily involved with Amazon and making the series and as well as this biopic so there'd be a lot there's a lot of family influence there but obviously, you know, my dad is my superhero. So if I'm telling a story about him, I will make him out to be a superhero. It's not a criticism, guys. I'm not criticizing this. I'm just thinking out loud. Please don't hate me for this. <laughs> cool. So that's all the trailers for this week. That's all the news wrapped up. So now we're going to go into our next segment of the show, which is a movie review. And this week we'll be discussing Captain Marvel. You've come a long way. But you're not as strong as you think. Just the beginning. I'm not gonna fight your war. I'm gonna end it. Higher, further, faster. <laughs> that was the yep. slogan that we got going into Captain Marvel. Mm. So Marvel Studios' twenty-first entry into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That's crazy. Twenty-one <laughs> movies. 21 movies. Come on, that's that, that in itself wow. is is crazy. Okay, and. This has been a this has been a heavy push movie. A lot of marketing has been behind this. You know, very similar to the same impact we had last year with Black Panther. You know, uh, promoting a diverse character. In this case, it being a woman. This is the first Marvel studio film to have a female lead. Can you imagine? Really? It's taken them 21 movies to do this. Really? That's absurd. It's crazy, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but you never notice because. Yeah, because of the quality of yeah. films. Yeah, mm. you never notice this. Well, we, we are guys, so maybe that's why we never notice. Well, yeah, th there's that aspect of it as well. Uh, but that's a whole nother discussion about the politics behind this movie and what's been going on. We're just here to talk about the movie. We both saw it last night and we just got a couple of things to say about it. So we're going to start off with what we thought about the actual plot of the film. So I'm Andy, you're going to kick this one off. Overall plot of the movie and characters. What do you think? It was well done. You know, this film, like... So, what I tried to do before um, I watch a film of this, um, in this, of this tier is I try to stay away from what other people have said about it. People, who, you know... But this film got a lot of criticism. Yeah, it was kind of mixed reviews. Yeah, yeah. and so I, I thought there would be a problem with the film. But to me, it was well done. I don't know what people are ranting on about. It was a good film. That was really, it was well done. The characters were well fleshed out. The characters that needed to be fleshed out were fleshed out. You could see their strengths, their weaknesses. You could see their goals and their motivations. You could see everything, you know. I don't see a problem with this film. It was a very good film. It was really, of course, no film is perfect. And we're going to talk about some of the things we didn't like. 
but that happens with everything. There's only one perfect film, which is 300. You know, <laughs> my favorite film of all time. But apart from 300, every single, every other film has its weaknesses. So this is a very good film. It pays respect to, it's part of a universe. So there are certain things, they, there are certain laws they had to abide by. And one thing I really, that really got me was, um, is this a spoiler review or... Uh, we'll get into spoilers a bit later. So l- let's just talk about the general plot now. Uh, and if you like, like... Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it was good. I loved the plot. It was good. It was good. It was an origin story. So as origin, sto- as origin stories go, this was a good origin story. Okay. I was indifferent about the, pl- uh, about the plot overall. I thought it could have been better. It felt a bit flat for me at times, especially the first act. Now, uh, there was a lot of stuff going on with uh, the Kree super in- Supreme Intelligence. I just wanted more information on that. It just seemed like this is it. You go, uh, and, and I, I was a bit like, I don't really know why we're following these people, sort of thing. Uh, then when she got to Earth, then the plot started to ramp up a bit and stuff like that. So over the plot, I thought it was a good movie. It was a very well-constructed, well-directed movie. I think... Like I said, the plot could have been a bit better, but the thing that kept me going was the characters. Uh, Amazing performances from everyone. The chemistry was phenomenal, especially Brie Larson's and Samuel Jackson's. Their chemistry was fantastic. Uh, I wanted more chemistry between her character and Monica Rambeau. Mm. Uh, I thought there was going to be more Monica, but the the short time we did get with her, I I felt that connection. You really believed they were being best friends for years and, and they had a lot of history together. So yeah, like the plot could have been better for me. Not Marvel's strongest, but the characters are on par in this movie, and that's what kept me going. That's what made me really enjoy this film. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, every, each each years, but I, I really, um, I think I don't know what was wrong with the plot. What was wrong? I'm now I'm thinking objectively, and I'm like, I don't see, you know. So for me, it was just like they, they kind of played on things that they'd done before and better. Oh, like what? Like the sort of the fish out of water mm. sort of storyline. You mm. know, I, yeah. I, I don't know who I am or, or what I am meant to be. Um, I, I feel like they've done that before and they've done it better. Um, uh, the origins type of story thing, again, like I think a Black Panther wasn't really an origin story, but you have ones like uh, Iron Man and Thor. And the first Captain America, I thought they were much stronger openings. Doctor Strange, I thought that, whoa, we really invested into this character. Now, not saying I wasn't invested in the character, but the general plot moving forward wasn't what what was keeping me intrigued with Mm. the film, if you know what I mean. Okay, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. Well, to me, I kind of, um, I feel it, 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 it had what it should have. And um, they explained everything you know, the supreme intelligence. There, there was no okay. The supreme intelligence. They explained what it is, why it's there. You know? No, I get the supreme intelligence. I was more the whole Cree civilization in mm. general. Oh, okay. All right. So, so let's talk about what I what let's what we liked and what we disliked. Can we can we do that? Yeah, yeah. We can do a rundown of that. Yeah. So, the, what first thing the first thing that I really liked um, about the film was how this how it, the film itself started. With the the credits instead of them putting superhero, um, you know, they 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 paid respect to Stanley. Yeah, we're talking about the um, Marvel opening fanfare, yeah, where you get all the characters and the logo comes up. Yeah, yeah, they, they, it was just Stanley's picture, and you know that was cute. I yeah, like when that. you that when you good. guys see it, you, you'll see it, and yeah. uh, and you'll you'll I think you'll tear up. I did a little yeah. tear just came out my left eye, and I was like, man, already. You, you've got me. Yeah. <laughs> I like it when they celebrate great pe- when great people are celebrated. Yeah. Not just in film, but in life. Whenever great people, people who have done stuff with their lives and affected the lives of millions of people, whenever they're celebrated, I'm always happy about that. So I was happy about that. So I liked another thing. I liked um, I liked the story. You know, a lot of people have problems with the plot, the story, but I kind of liked it. It was a good story, an origin story that ties into an, an a universe that has existed for well, how many years now? Since the, the since the Big Bang. Oh, oh wait, you're talking. The, oh, you're talking at the actual. Yeah. Ooh, eleven years. Now. Eleven years. You know, yeah. this is the last installment of fourteen one films. So, you know, it's, 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 there's not very min, there's not much leg room for a lot of creative things because it's not a film in its own. It has to tie. This is part twenty one 
of a film, you know, of a series. This is episode 21. So it has to tie into everything. So they didn't want to go too berserk with their ideas. They just tried to keep it simple. So I liked that about the film. Um, you've already mentioned this, but another thing I liked was the chemistry between the characters. Samuel Jackson. What he did is, in this film, he came in as a supporting actor because that's what he was, just a supporting actor to Brie. And he didn't steal the spotlight. Even though he's a bigger, you know, you could argue he's a bigger star than Brie Larson. He didn't steal the spotlight. He was okay. And that's why you have to respect actors like Samuel Jackson. They are so, they are so confident of themselves. They are not insecure. So they, they don't have a problem coming in and just playing a support role and not stealing the thunder of somebody else. Because this was Brie's film. Samuel Jackson could have just come in and just been very Samuel Jackson oh you know that is all but you know and there was that chemistry between them anytime they were talking I liked it I liked the conversation they were you know I actually said to myself at one point and I was making reference to The Last Jedi you hear it I always do this this is how you infuse comedy with action and that's why I, I remember thinking that to myself this is how you do it you know contrast that to The Last Jedi it was poorly done but that's a topic for another day so I like the chemistry between the actors um, Bree's performance uh, she killed it she I, nailed I, it oh she killed it I loved it people I, I, you know, after I watched the film I went, now went online and I read some reviews and people were saying that her performances were flat no she nailed it I liked her you know her sassiness you know quick wit yeah you know and she was like and it was consistent you know, you could see her weaknesses at first. She was always trying to prove herself. And you could see the character arc at the end. She told um, Jude Law that I don't have to prove anything to you. And you could see that maturity, you know. And you could see there's this thing about her. She's always getting up. Whenever she falls down, she keeps getting up. And that was what made her defeat the Supreme Leader. When the Supreme Leader said, you're just a human, then it clicked to her that, oh, and that's what humans do. They always rise up from ruins, you know. And that's so I she killed it, man. I think I was saying, I was going to say, I said this to myself in the cinema. I think this is the best. I think the, this is the best female performance in the Marvel Universe. This is, and that's my opinion. I think she has more, there is more depth and there is more character to her than Scar um, Scarlet Witch and um, Black Widow. Black Widow, yeah. Yeah, there is the, those guys are too one-dimensional. Scarlet Witch a bit more. She's a bit, you know, she has more to her character because she's lost her brother. She's in love with a robot who, yeah. You know, so there's a bit more to her character. But um, Scarlet Witch is a very one-dimensional you know and all that so but this is she, she did very good i'm talking too much and one final thing i really liked is the de-aging technology that was used in this film to de-age samuel jackson at some point i even forgot that this isn't how samuel jackson looks in real life you know the best cgi is hidden if you notice cgi they've not done it it's just like editing the best editing is hidden. If you notice an edit, the editor hasn't done his job. I say the same thing about sound. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. If it if it sounds like it was recorded on set, you've done a good job. Mm, exactly. So it's so it was so done. Him, Samuel Jackson, and um, what's the other guy's name? Um, the other agent's name? They, uh, Phil Coulson. Yeah. The the agent was. He, he gave. They gave him the new hair. Yeah. As well. Awesome. It was yeah. So well done. That is. Wow, that's what money does. Oh, that's what money does. I can't. I, I'm gonna wait. I can't wait for the um, behind the scenes. I really want to see what how they did that. Yeah, man. I have to echo that. I've been saying this for the last few episodes. The de aging technology that Marvel have got is just insane. Like we saw it in Civil War. Mm. Uh, we also saw it in um, Ant Man with um, Michael Douglas. Mm, and I just yes. thought. I just thought. Oh, okay. Wow. That that's insane. That that you can make somebody look that young and look real, and then they've just topped it here. Yeah, they've taken it to a new level because obviously those those were like very short scenes, like a couple of minutes. Here you have to have Samuel L. Jackson supporting a movie, so it's got to look good. Like, and they they did it, man. Like like you said, there were times I completely forgot that this is set in the nineties mm. and he's meant to look like twenty years younger. Crazy. Okay. 
man, the 90s was 20 years ago. They're just crazy. <laughs> I know, right? It seems like, what, five years? Around a minute. It's 20 years. Man, yeah. I'm old. It's like another decade now. It's considered like, mm -hmm. the, you know? like. Ugh. It's um, but yeah. Um, so yeah, I loved the, the de-aging technology about it. Um, to, again, echoing your thoughts, the characters, the chemistry, as I said before, it, that was the thing that kept me going through the movie. Just their performances, especially Brie Larson's. She's so charismatic yes. and witty. Yes. And, and, you know, pardon my French here, but, you know, she'll, she'll give pe uh, the characters of Jude Law, she'll, he'll give him shit. And to Fury as well, she'll, like, be poking him and teasing him. And, and he's trying to give it back, and then she gives it back. And I love the, the banter between them. All of that was fantastic. So that kept me going throughout the entire film. And I have to say, for me, my favorite character was Talos, the Skrull leader. Really? Ben Middleton's character. Every time he came on screen for me, it, the scene lit up. Really? For me, I just thought, wow, this he's great. He was just perfect for me. And then the twist at the end with revealing what the Skrulls were actually all about, I liked it. And then the way he portrayed the character then, his character changed slightly then, but in, in a really nice way. And yeah, he was the standout performance for me. So... I know we'll talk about the things we didn't like, um, but do you not feel a bit cringy whenever films try to humanize aliens? Uh, no, I, I, it doesn't I, no, cringe I, you a bit. I, I didn't. I didn't feel that way in this movie. Okay, so because I, I thought it was part of the bigger message, which was like the message you were talking about of like getting back up and conquering these fears, and obviously, especially because it was a girl, you know, a female. If there was another element of like, it doesn't matter what we look like. Like we're just and you, they people judge them too quickly. If you know what I mean. Yeah, no, that's good. I mean, what I was talking about is there was that scene where he reunited with his family. Yeah. And they came together. Uh, I don't know what that was. If it was the way they hug or the way they kiss, I don't know what that is. But that felt proper cringy to me. Whenever they do that in films, like when they do it with aliens that look like humans, that's fine. But when they do aliens humanizing aliens. I know I liked it I think you need to humanize them sometimes just to be on a sort of level head and it was something that you as a human can relate to mm. you know I, what I mean I you, you need yeah. to have something in there that you can relate especially with a character like Talos who's he's another supporting character you know he's technically the what he's marketed as the villain of the show of the movie but by the end of it he's not he's just a guy trying to save his family so um, yeah though <laughs> He, he was the standout performance for can, me. can we talk about that train scene I wish it oh, was, I the wish, train I, scene I, yeah. I wish it wasn't in the trailer because it would have been better if we hadn't seen it before but that was so good that was one of the best action set pieces of the movie for me <laughs> yeah uh, the, yeah uh, we'll get it compared to the which I really like the third act and I, you have some problems with the space battle yes. uh, at the end but for me I, I I liked it but this one the train one that was the it best was the really movie like, I loved it like, you know what I liked the most like when he hit the old lady bam Everybody went, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and then when they kept on fighting, they were like, ooh. Like, <laughs> yeah. that, it, it was great. I thought somebody would shout, World Star. Do you know what that is? No. World Star, World Star Hip Hop. It's like a web, it's a YouTube channel where they share videos of people fighting. So whenever there are two people in a squabble, somebody will shout, World Star, meaning I'm recording this for World Star. So I thought they would actually do that. But it's 1985 and World Star didn't exist then. But probably if it was, they'd have said it. But I just like that very, ooh, like, oh, damn. <laughs> that was really cool. Yeah, it was a super fun set piece. Like I said, it's my favorite of the movie. Um, what else did I really like about the movie? The humor was yeah. sprinkled in at the right places, right like, places. like you said. Right beats, uh, yes. Sometimes when... Like obviously you don't want to put it in the wrong place, but you need to have a when so, when a scene is getting maybe too dramatic or quite heavy, you need to just throw in a little quip there just to bring the audience back in. Mm. And they did it again. Marvel just knows the formula; they know exactly when to put these little quips in. And I actually heard they get outside sources for these that. specific things. So they have the script and they watch the thing and then they get outside people to go, well, where would you? And you go, I would put one here and this is what I would do. So there are people that are skilled in that, the art of and that. And they hire people specifically for that. Right. So you see, I, I keep talking about this film. Sorry, guys. I keep talking about this film. You see, but I think that's not... Ryan Johnson wrote those silly jokes himself. He didn't consult 
with anyone. He thought it was just, yeah, put in jokes wherever. But there is a skill to it. There is a psychological place where it will work. And there are places where it won't work. And unless you know how to do this, don't attempt it. You know, uh, like... Uh, Okay, let, let me, I don't want to talk about no, yeah, The Last Jedi. Let's not get into that. So I think we've pretty much rounded off the things we liked. Uh, so what are the things that you didn't like about the film? Well, considering... This will sound a bit contradictory, but considering how much I've said I like the plot and everything and the chemistry between the actors, however, in certain places, just before the third act, that in certain places, the dialogue felt flat. It felt like... We're having this scene because we need to have it as a filler so that we can get onto something else. So those scenes were not well, the dialogue was not well vetted. It wasn't well, it felt really, really flat. Um, I'll give you an example. Some of the, you know, when they were in the house, when they went to see Rambo in her house and some of those dialogues were a bit flat, you know, and it, it, it happened throughout the movie, especially when she landed on Earth. A lot of that dialogue felt flat in those places. Um, I, I, I told you about this um, before we, we started to record. I, did, I wasn't so much a fan of the makeup used on the scrolls. It's a little thing, but that just thing didn't work for me. It was very distracting. Then finally, the biggest thing I didn't like, so the other two I mentioned are things you can forgive. But the biggest thing I didn't, I had a problem with was the third act, the fight scene in the third act in the spaceship. I felt it was too busy. There was just so much happening lights here people flying explosions it was just too and the the backdrop they had this music playing and the backdrop i get what they were trying to do they were trying to do a guardians of galaxy thing where you contrast what is happening with the music you're playing and i get it but it just didn't work the music was distracting i don't the music was distracting and the fight scenes were like i really was excited because in my head when that sequence started i was like oh my god Bree's gonna kick some <laughs> Bree's gonna kick some ass in this scenes but it was so all over the place it was just not that last scene disappointed me so i didn't like that part and it was in my opinion a missed opportunity because you're selling captain marvel as the strongest superhero this is somebody that can take down thanos you know the strongest superhero so you really need to show us how strong she is and in that final sequence all she was doing was blowing up the floor so people will fall through it's very rudimentary that's the kind of thing i would do because i'm not the strongest superhero but so that part to me was a missed opportunity and um, that's why i didn't like but as you can see from the points i've mentioned in my dislike section there wasn't really many things i didn't like that's how much i, I respect this film it, it was a good film what about you uh there's a couple of things i didn't like uh, one of them is similar to what you said the the marketing that they did for this movie and they you know kevin feige came out and, and said that she's going to be the strongest character we've seen in the marvel cinematic universe yet and i, I don't think we got that i, I think that she used her powers i think there was they were holding back i think you, you could have done a bit more there was a lot of repetitive powers yeah. I, I think i've seen uh, things characters like thor and cap do some really strong stuff that were a bit more than what she did on that note though you know you have potential in future movies to really show what she can do and stuff like that um like I said before, the plot I thought could have been better. It wasn't bad at all. I enjoyed it. I just think it wasn't Marvel's strongest. I think Marvel know how to do better and can construct a stronger story. I thought the first act was quite slow for me. It didn't really pick up until she's uh, the second act is where she lands on Earth. Uh, and that's when it sort of picks up for me. And then the third, I really liked the third act. Contrast to you, I do like the moments she had with Monica Rombo. I thought that was really great chemistry and stuff like that. And I love Talos, love Samuel Jackson stuff, but those are the two main things. Uh, didn't really get to see how powerful she could be, and the plot at times was a bit thin, a bit flat, a bit slow at the beginning, uh, but like I said, the characters just kept me going. So yeah, overall, I did really like this movie, and I'll happily go see it again in the cinema. 
but compared to other Marvel movies, it's just not on the as high for me. Hmm. So score time. Score time. Okay, this was di- this was a difficult one for me because I was honestly, since I saw it, I was like, I don't know, and I, I've been oh. tossing and turning thinking about this score, but I've come to a conclusion. And I'm going to give this score, I'm going to be really precise here, but I'm going to give it a 7.8. Oh my goodness. That's the exact number I had in my head to give this film. 7.8. There you go. The the exact number, (laughs) 7.8. How cool is that? We thought about it the same number, the same fraction. (laughs) Because I was like, it's not a 7.5. It's a bit better than 7.5. I was like, but it's not quite an 8. So I was really debating. I was like, you know what? I'll just, 7.8. That, yeah. That's my final score for this movie. It's strange, man. I had the exact number in my mind, and it's for the same reasons. It's too good to be 7. It's better than a 7.5, but it's not an 8. Not quite there. It's not quite there, but, you know, and it's not 7.6, because 7.6 is too close to 7.5. So you want to give something a bit higher. So 7.8 was just that sweet spot. So, yeah, totally agree with you. So and let's be clear, like that's not a bad score at oh. all. That's that's a good score. Oh, yeah. I mean, for me, the way I score things is like five is a mediocre movie. That's like, eh, whatever oh, sort yeah. of thing. So anything better than that is above mediocre. So a seven point eight, that's a good score for me. This is two thumbs up. Oh yeah, like people. I know if this is your first episode, if you listen to our other episodes, I'm brutal when it comes to rating. I think I gave Aquaman, what, 5.5 or 6? No, I think you gave it a 6.5. Yeah, yeah, some low score. Aquaman, even though he made billions, it just didn't cut it for me. You yeah. know, I'm very... Well, that's the beauty of film, though. Yeah, exactly. Can't work for everybody. So, But 7.8, Captain Marvel. Like I said, two thumbs up. It's, a one, it's one you should watch in the cinema. You know, we always classify it watch in the cinema, buy a DVD, or don't bother. This one is yeah, certainly 100%. watch in the cinema twice watching modern once. oh yeah i'm going to be seeing this yeah. a couple of times i'm also yeah. i'm also going to try and get to see this uh if it's still in cinemas which i still think it will be before endgame comes out mm. do like a double it back will. to back yeah that'd be kind of cool to, to do that i'm curious to know how much this film has made can you share that next week uh well, yeah we'll talk about yeah. next week's episode yeah. the tracking uh was that it's going to open to 150 million dollars in a weekend which is big numbers that is big for a, an origin movie for a character we've never really heard about before, that is quite good numbers. Yeah. And I think for me, one last thing I'd like to say about Captain Marvel, which I think is really important. The best thing I want to come out from this movie is that I want little girls to go into that movie, see this character and be like, I want to be like that. And, and strive to be the character that she is and, mm. ha- and have an idol to look up to. Yeah. Because I've had that all my life, mm. okay? Like people saying that, oh, there's too many female-led things. No, there isn't. Yeah, there's not enough. Not enough. There's, not a, there's nowhere near enough, you I know? Agree. For years and years and years, we've had Batman, Superman, Aquaman. Captain America, Iron Man, all these male characters that we've been fine with, and I've had that my entire life, have these idols to grow up to. Now, why not give it to some little girl who needs that? No, I totally agree. I to- But the thing is, the way they make the... The, the, the clever way it was only this morning when we were talking that I realized it occurred to me that they actually released it on Women's Day they didn't try to force an, a political no, agenda they didn't, down hit, our they didn't hit you over the head with it exactly. in this movie at all exactly. they did it perfectly yeah. exactly. and that's a problem a lot of people have with Star Wars right now they feel that they, they are forcing it down their throats and that's why they are reacting So, but that's talk for another day but yeah, I agree with you. That's that. I agree with you. It's cool. It's that. All right. So that's it. That's Marvel's twenty-first entry into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Captain Marvel, and you heard it here. Film seven. Both of us gave it a seven point eight. So with that, we're going to head into our final segment, and that is a simple: What's coming next week? Well, gentlemen, you had my curiosity, but now you have my attention. Next week's actually going to be quite busy, Andy. Mm few things coming out okay so the movie that's going to be coming out this friday is the new jordan peele horror movie us nice i know you're super excited for that i am i am I, anytime i see the trailer i turn it off i don't want to know what's about or i don't oh, want you're, to, you're going in completely blank yeah i want to go in black you know I me mean? <laughs> but you know one thing one reason why get out worked for all of us is we didn't know what to expect so and trailers have that thing then how they just tell you what the whole film is about so you're just going through the motions 
but it looks like it's gonna freak the hell out of all of us so i can't wait to see this one i think it's gonna lean more into more horror than get out did Hor uh, get out was more quite psychological i think this one he's gonna go a bit more creep horror. creepy a bit more of a violent aspect to it as well so yeah i watched the trailer unlike get out though so i watched the get out trailer and i thought this this looks bonkers but I didn't know exactly what it was. I did, you didn't know the story. Hence, that's and cool. I watched the same here again with the US trailer. I watched it and I was like, this looks crazy. And I have no idea what's going to happen. Mm. The only gist of it is that there's, there's a family and something happens there. There's like a dual personality mm. of the family who are evil. Mm. That's it. That's all I got. Mm -hmm. Cool. I'm in. And it's Jordan Peele. So take all my money. Mm. Like, I'm super excited. So that's going to be our main review for next week. Yep. going to be us. We're going to be watching that. On Monday, Amazon Prime, episode one of season two of American Gods. Mm. I've been waiting this for this for ages since I watched season one. It really deep, thoughtful, provocative storytelling. Mm. Uh, something that I haven't really seen in TV before. They took really big risks and it worked for me. I can imagine it wouldn't work for everyone. It's quite a, a deep, very dense show. Yeah, we've always... Sorry, we've always had that disclaimer when we're talking about American Gods that it's a very hard film. It's a very hard story to follow. Yeah, it's not a linear way of telling stories and stuff like that. So that's why it can be a bit off-putting, but I like that for me. I'm all about the wacky sense of storytelling. Uh, that's going to be on Amazon Prime. On Netflix, we have Triple Frontier. So that is the Ben Affleck, Oscar Isaac um, sort of action type movie you know that they're gonna invade this place to get some money steal some drugs or entertaining looks really really good trailer looks awesome you, did you see the trailer for yeah this? I've seen the trailer a couple of times I mean Ben Affleck man is this what you left Batman for <laughs> I'm just kidding but no it, it looks good it looks like it's fun uh, it's not thing we've not seen before but yeah. it's nice to have a good action film and i like the character i like the the, the, cast, the cast is what yeah. appeals to me yeah, so yeah, charlie like hannam oscar isaac you know uh, ben affleck as you said amazing cast so that's for me is why i'm going to be watching this yeah, movie i agree so I yeah agree. that comes out on wednesday on netflix and then on friday as well <laughs> i'm super excited for this and this is love death and robots what it's so on, is it on this, friday? yeah this friday comes out oh my god i didn't realize this it comes out this Friday? This Friday. Okay. So it's going to be 18 short episodes. I'm going to somehow try and just okay. binge them all as, like, <laughs> as much as one. But I'm so excited for this. Uh, yeah. This Friday, Love, Death and Robots. This is the 18 short animated anthology series by Tim Miller and David Fincher. <sighs> and it's just going to be absolutely bonkers. And it it's going to be what exactly it says on the tin. Love, Death and Robots. So super excited. Big week coming up for us then. A lot yeah. to talk about. But before we head off, where can we find you, Andy? Find me on Twitter at Andy Unduaj, at N-D-U-A-J. Awesome. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Sweaty Jake. And you can now find us on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. We're now all over the streaming platforms, including Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Film7. And you can find us on Twitter at Film7Podcast. If you want to send us any questions... Feel free to do so, and we may be able to answer them on some shows that we got pl got planning up. But until then, see you later, guys. Bye.